Welcome to Long Distance Listening, a music podcast. Hello and welcome to Long Distance Listening. I'm Andrew. And I'm Nate. Welcome to our Charlie Martin episode, where we're going to be talking about Charlie Martin's debut album, Imaginary People. Uh, If you are not familiar with Charlie Martin, he is one of the two-headed monster that is Howdy, and this is his side project, and it's a great record, and we're able to talk to Charlie today about the record. We have some general questions for him, and then we do go track by track through the record. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to Imaginary People before we would suggest maybe give it a a listen before the podcast uh but there will be song clips here and there to kind of let you know what what stuff's like as we go track by track so nate are you ready for our interview with charlie martin yes sir All right, today we have the pleasure of having Charlie Martin with us as we'll be discussing and going track by track through his recently released phenomenal debut album, Imaginary People. Charlie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to talk about your solo project and the new record. Yeah, thank you all for having me. Glad to be here. That's so cool that you're here with us. We're very appreciative. Um, So one thing we like to do is start out with this icebreaker uh, full disclosure, it's mainly because we're really awkward and not that fun to talk to, and it's a way of making us feel more like fun and cool and stuff. So I'm going to ask this or that questions, and same with Andrew, and you can be very short or you can go into detail if something strikes a chord with you, if you're really passionate about it. We have a few questions. So first off, pancakes or waffles? I say pancakes. I'm big, I'm big on the banana pancake mm-hmm. life. Nice. Mm. Yeah. Banana pancake. I mean, those are yeah. good. Good choice. Yeah, we make we make them at the house. It's, it's it's a thing. Every every once in a while. Nice. All right. So you're at a movie. Do you get candy or popcorn? Ooh, I'm kind of a weirdo, and I almost never get anything at okay. a movie. A weirdo, but, or someone who's frugal and does not yeah, like to spend like thirty yeah. bucks on candy and popcorn. Yeah, but I would probably go for. It would just depend, you know, on on the mood. I, I love both. <laughs> so, baseball parks or national parks? Oh, baseball parks all day. <laughs> that was kind of a layup. Yeah. I feel like I got I got a baseball game tomorrow. Yes. Tomorrow. What what type of league are you in? It's like a Sandlot league. I, I just joined it. My friend Grady peer pressured me into it i was like man there's too much baggage with baseball <laughs> but, but finally I'm, i got back out there it feels good all right ocean or mountains mm. go ocean yeah i love the view it's always so amazing it just mm-hmm. keeps going spring or fall hmm. probably spring but in texas you know the heat is coming in in the springtime but yeah, I like I like the spring. They're both good. These are these are, you know, good questions. <laughs> well, this one might take more I don't know, thinking about. Honesty or others' feelings? Hmm. Damn. <laughs> Probably others' feelings. Like I, I I kind of am a you know, people pleaser. I like to be able to achieve put myself in positions where, you know, 
being honest does make people feel good. Yeah. But yeah, sometimes there's a choice. Definitely. Reading or writing? Mm. I would have to say writing, at least in the in the context of like writing music. I, I don't really write anything other than songs, but I love to read. But I, I I go so slow; it takes me so long to read a book. Recording or playing live? Mm. Probably recording. That's kind of the 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 craft that I feel like me and and also Will and Howdy like that's kind of our thing we've always like loved making records and playing live is you can't beat it but it's it's not as easy you know it's funny I think a testament to how much you love recording is the fact that during a lot of our recent interviews it's been like a very hard question because people are like man i love recording but like we haven't been out we haven't played shows so i really want to play shows and i'm sure you're feeling that but yeah yeah it like you you were still like right off the bat you're like yeah recording like Mm -hmm. but just (laughs) even with all the lack of live shows you still i mean it seems like recording is that main passion yeah tried and true you know it's it's always there for me (laughs) So this is a this might be a tough one for you, and this is one of those like we have two questions left for this. You don't need to answer this if you don't want to. Um, now three options: taster, cranberry, or heavy lifter. Heavy lifter for sure. Ooh. Yeah, I think that's our best one. But the next one is definitely our best one. But yeah, I I, I like to I like to listen. To, I'm proud of all of them, but. You know, we we learned a lot from Taster to the Heavy Lifter, kind of in like every in every you know part of the process. I think we got a lot better, so I'm proud of that one. All right, this is our final question. We end every interview with this question. I am from Philly. Nate is from Boston. So we just want you to decide: Boston or Philly? Oh, Philly. Oh, Philly's tight. I, I like Philly. We have had some like friends we went there like in the early days always had good shows like it's a crazy scene there I've, mm-hmm. I've always been pretty pretty impressed with this with just the like the vibrant like diy scene in philly yeah, yeah. probably because andrew isn't yeah. a part of that yeah um <laughs> <laughs> just that's fine <laughs> i'm just i'm just hurt it's okay it's fine i'll get yeah, yeah no i love boston though honestly we have better shows in boston but i just think philly's a little bit cooler yeah i feel you yeah. <laughs> you're a, a real diplomat you you are worried about my feelings and i appreciate that i am yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah all right well moving forward uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Charlie, you're in the band called Howdy, and uh, you're in that band with your friend Will Taylor. So what inspired this solo project, and how has the writing process been different compared to writing with Will? Yeah, so, like, I don't know how many people know this, but me and Will, we, like, we work a lot separately. Um, in terms of, like, songwriting especially, we we make the records together, but... Um, really from the very beginning, like I've probably told this before, but like the way the band started was like, I had, you know, four, I had just started writing songs. I had like four or five 
songs I was working on, kind of just like for a solo project, because I was playing drums in another band. So I was starting to like sing and write songs on the side, and I met Will, and he had like a real similar batch of songs, and we kind of were coming. He was also playing drums in another band, and we kind of hit it off, but like we just we just merge our songs together. Um, and it just happens to like feel cohesive, which is really cool. Um, so for the prod to answer your question, like for my record, you know, for each Howdy record, we will we'll make like we'll each write ten or so songs. So like, there's always a handful that like I have for the Howdy record that I love, but there's just not like room, you know, and so they you just like shelve them. Um, and in the past, I kind of figured they would maybe like make the next Howdy record or something, but we're always writing and we're always making new stuff and getting better. So like, you know, my record's kind of a mixture of stuff that I had kind of stowed away for a few years along with some stuff. I kind of decided like, I want to do this. I ha I was writing a lot, had, you know, some time on my hands, like early 2020 and yeah, just like had like 20 songs that I was looking at and just like chopped it down to 13 um, and yeah that's that's the record to be honest even though I knew kind of that writing process it mm. never once occurred to me that these could have been written for Howdy they feel so much like this album like it's a very cohesive cool. album and I'm just really impressed that you were able to have this cohesive of an album kind of maybe spawned from some some howdy stuff that didn't make howdy's albums i think that's awesome yeah yeah, yeah i mean it's it's cool like I, I think that you know something like really becomes like a howdy song i put that in quotes when like you know we get in the studio together and we really kind of like finish the like really create that final product together all in like the same breath whereas for my record you know, it was it was just me and my buddy Evan Kaspar who like recorded it um, with me, and yeah, we just kind of naturally came on a different, a whole different sound, I think, which which was really exciting. Yeah, I did want to touch a little bit on the recording uh, of this album. You you've tended to take a minimalist approach when recording Howdy's records through Runner and I'm Sorry uh, hit those hit a little bit differently but yeah in the past you mainly recorded in home studios so for this record was it a similar approach um yeah so i think i was recording with like a a proper like engineer my buddy evan um which we we did for the howdy stuff we we did do heavy lifter with ben and he's you know a great engineer producer mixer so you know that was like that first step towards like less DIY and then with Runner and I'm Sorry um, we worked with Sarlo who produced it in his studio so like been sort of moving in the direction of like you know at least having some somewhat of like a hybrid approach to recording and my record defi definitely was that way we went out to Mississippi <clears throat> where my um, my wife's mom lives and we uh, me and Evan went out there and we kind of set up like a home studio 
there. Um, and then we did the other half of it at Estuary Recording here in Austin, which is like a real proper studio. And we mixed it in a studio, which was super fun. Um, so yeah, different approach for sure. So your song structures are, I mean, the songs themselves from like, they, when you just listen, you're not really paying attention. They feel very simple, but the song structures are so creative. And so honestly, like a lot of songs, I'm like, I've never seen a structure like this. They're very unique, very foreign to me a lot of the times. And I love them so much. How intentional are you about the song structures and making them different? Or is that something that just you kind of go into a song and whatever comes out is what comes out? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's there's nothing intentional about it or like <laughs> um, I just like, you know, try to I, I, I definitely work with some limitations. Like I only know how to play guitar in open open tuning. I play an open E. Um, and so like, and I do, I end up writing a lot on guitar. Um, so just like finding, like if I find a corporate, I've been playing in that tuning since like, I don't know, 2011 when I started playing guitar maybe. And so like, and I've always told myself as soon as I like run out of ideas or like can't find a new chord, I'll, I'll try to learn standard, but like. I just keep coming up with like something that's slightly fresh to me and like pretty much every time I come up with something like that like a new chord or a new progression I just like you know that's a song and I don't know I don't put a lot of pressure on myself to like make something that's like you know really impressive from like a song like a songwriting approach or like a you know like I don't know how to use a bridge like I might have had a bridge before but like I don't really know um so like yeah like I think a lot of the time um this is kind of a funny like anecdote but that song swirl um I kind of a good example of like leaning into just like your gut when you want something to be really simple um I actually brought I actually brought that song to a session in LA with with Sarlo when we were recording Runner. And I played it for him, and he was like, I like it. He's like, it just it just needs something. Like, it just needs, like, a another part or something. And I was like, all right, cool. And I just, like, took it home, you know? And, like, because I, I just disagreed. I, I Sarlo is, like, honestly the greatest. Like, he's so smart um, and so good. But, like, sometimes if it just feels good to just make it, like, you know, chorus or like instrumental verse chorus verse instrumental that's it like you should trust that yeah i think uh just like having confidence in yourself is a theme definitely a bit on the record like we'll talk about september and Mm -hmm. stuff but yeah it's like it's really tough when you're like receiving critical criticism which is going to help you potentially grow and learn but also holding tight to your convictions like no i feel this is my song i feel strongly about this um it's tough because i'm sure a lot of artists feel like they need to change stuff to appease people or they're kind of get pushed around but having that conviction i think is important at the end of the day it's your voice um for sure yeah well i think it worked out because i actually took his advice and applied it to runner 
and it was actually that after getting that advice I wrote the last hook the like call me a runner part yeah. like that whole like last section I wrote he doesn't know this but I, I like <laughs> literally like left the room I was like man like it's feeling like kind of you know second guessing myself and I was like swirl is good but like maybe runner needs something else yeah. like, that's probably um, so yeah I, you know I try to be open to like collaboration but I do think you know it, it, it's a good idea to like believe in yourself if it feels if what you got feels good to you yeah. you know so with the title for this album being imaginary people it's impossible not to notice even from song titles especially within the songs use of people's names on the record stories involving those names and repeated characters well really the main repeated character is mr heavy um is this a concept record to you and if so are you willing to add any context to that yeah so honestly it kind of came like i would say it became like a loot like it, I definitely don't see it as a concept record in the way that, like, some true concept records are. Um, but I was maybe, like, half to three-quarters of the way of making the record of, like, writing, getting the songs and deciding on the songs. And I did notice I just happened to, like, be writing in this style, like, centering on characters that are, like, mostly fictional. Um, and then... And, like, all the song names were, like, the character, you know? And I was, like... And then I just, like, had this sort of, like, aha moment when I thought of the name Imaginary People with, like, all the names, and I was, like, this is... This feels great. Um, but, yeah, it kind of... it kind of, I kind of, like, stumbled into it being a little bit of a concept record. So how was the process of track listing the record? Does the final product look similar to how you envisioned it early on, or was there a lot of shifting around going on? Yeah, I think there was a ton of shifting around. I don't really remember exactly um, how many like iterations, but I was definitely like wrestling with it because that was the main challenge. You know, doing a solo record was like you know 13 songs and it's like just me and my songs like my voice the whole time so like how can I make this dynamic and exciting and yeah so so I, I yeah I worked I chipped away at it for a while has some like close friends I was sharing with getting their feedback and stuff Another thing that I've noticed is that almost all of Howdy's song titles are only one word, and that approach seems to kind of spill over onto the side project as well. So is that an intentional thing for you, or is that just kind of what happened, and is there any reason that you like one-word song titles? Yeah, I've always I've always liked one-word song, especially the way they look in like a track list I think is cool, or just like some sort of consistency, like aesthetically um i think is sort of something i lean towards whether or not i'm like really trying to um but yeah usually like when i'm naming a song or just kind of like look through the lyrics and um sometimes pick out the word that feels like the strongest visually and like you know and sometimes it has nothing sometimes there's it's not a lyric and it's just a word that i think you know describes the music but and sometimes it's super hard honestly so 
the artwork for the record's incredible, done by Madeline Dowd. What was the process of choosing the artwork uh, for the record? Um, yeah, it was kind of went through a few different like iterations. I like initially was planning on it maybe being like a portrait. I had an artist, a different artist in mind to maybe do like a portrait of me. Um, and then the more I thought about it, the more I, I liked the idea of it's being centered on like not a character that represents me. Um, and then I started actually like working on, like I started drawing a little bit myself. This was when like, um, we had that crazy winter storm in, in Texas and, uh, my wife was out of town. She was stuck in Mississippi, couldn't get back here. So I was just like here weathering the storm. Fortunately, we like kept power and everything, but it was super scary. And I was just like hunkered here, like trying to like draw my album art. And it was, it was really like a struggle. And then I realized that like, I could just call Maddie. And, um, and we, cause we've been friends forever. And um, she's been a fan of my music and likewise for, for many years. So, but yeah, it was funny. I don't know how I didn't think about it until that moment, but, and then I just gave her a call and we, and I told her I wanted to center, base the art on this character of like Mr. Heavy. Um, so yeah, that's him. I don't know. It seems like some kids like already know that that character is Mr. Heavy, but I think that's the first time I've ever told anybody. Yeah. It's funny, as you were explaining, I was like, is this going to be Mr. Heavy? (laughs) I hadn't thought about it until you were talking, and then you confirmed it. So interesting. I'm sure even though that adds a lot of insight, it probably adds a lot of questions (laughs) as well. (laughs) But, uh, But yeah. So lastly, I have to ask, and you definitely foreshadowed this um, with the uh, this or that types of questions we asked. Seen pictures online of you and Will recording. There's, I don't know if Runner and I'm sorry would be potentially part of a new record, but is there a new, are you willing to share if, the, if not if, I mean, this isn't really official. Is there, there seems like there's a new Howdy record on the horizon. Um, is that true? Yeah, for sure. It's coming. Now, are the new, is a new record kind of within overall a similar similar sound and production as those two singles or are you even taking a different approach yeah same exact approach same team same same studio um i think yeah this is for like another podcast but i i think the the next howdy record it um I think I mentioned it feeling like our best one yet. I think we're getting like back to our back to our roots in some ways, which is really exciting. I think, yeah, that's awesome. It's, it's gonna be good. Thanks for sharing, yeah. man. All right, of course. So Charlie, if you're ready, you want to talk about each track on Imaginary People? Yeah, sounds good. Awesome. You haven't quit on us yet, and we're really thankful for that. <laughs> we're chilling. All right. First up, we got Daisy.
So Daisy is a really great opening track, starting in with drums, acoustic guitar, and piano helps kind of set the tone for the album. Uh, I love how you follow the melody with the piano. You do that a few times on the album, but it's it's a really nice approach. It's just really beautiful how it all works together. My favorite moment, though, has to be the vocal melody and cadence in the I am calling it a bridge, actually, of the song, but like oh, cool. the the last part of this. So, can you talk about writing that part specifically and how it fit into this song? Yeah. So, um, Daisy was one that I've had that I've like had loosely in the bag for a few years. Um, I wrote a handful of songs. Like a lot of my songs, I write this way where. I like the piano the piano part was the first thing that I wrote so like um that that melody that vocal melody you know was was there as a piano melody before I added the vocals to it and I usually just end up keeping the piano melody there because I do like that doubling effect but um but yeah that last section came super super late honestly I I like we had this big that big instrumental section um used to be totally blank and then i was always kind of humming this like this melody that was kind of like a counter melody to the progression and it was a little more like rhythmically delivered and it i I, it felt really good but i wasn't sure if it needed something if it needed vocals there um but I ended up just giving it a shot, and yeah, it became like one of my favorite parts of the record. Um, but yeah, I think I recorded that vocal part like, you know, like long into like the mixing uh, phase of the record. Yeah. So, you, my question kind of had to do with the um, melody combined with the piano, but. Because uh, it is an approach that you do take uh, multiple times throughout the record. Um, but I actually kind of I want to ask a different question because hearing more stuff as you shared throughout the interview and stuff. Well, first off, for us, my question, love the big wheel reference brings me back and like so nostalgic. But this seems to be kind of a love song about your wife. A lot of your songs are relationship and friendship driven. Do you find that um, writing these friendship or relationship-driven songs is a really helpful tool for you to process, or do you just do it because that's what's going on in your life? Like, how does songwriting, how do you view that in terms of managing those relationships and thinking through them? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's, it's like, real therapeutic to, you know, dive into those dynamics in, in songs. Um I, I do like certain there are definitely moments in my songwriting where it's like pretty pretty clearly it's like you know about like my wife if you know me you know like if if you know details about my life you can read into it and say like oh like that's that's personal versus like that this might be fictional you know um but yeah honestly kind of I do th- I do this a, a lot in songs um where like maybe the beginning section will kind of exist in its own world and then it kind of travels to like a new a new time and space content wise um like that first part honestly is about like traveling and like um that like drive my big wheel is kind of 
I'm actually talking about driving like a van and just like trying to like get like get home safe and like you know I, I, I think about that a lot I like to travel I, I, like, I like to drive and like touring is, is always I, I really love it it's also like really scary and I'm, all, I'm always really thankful to like get somewhere safely so like I always try to like you know at the end of every like eight hour drive and I don't I really do like love to drive like but um we'll get to the spot and I'll just be like y'all like we made it <laughs> you know like let's all take a moment to like be thankful that we're here you know that's cool um but yeah so that that song tr- starts there and then kind of is like a little bit like abstract um kind of stream of consciousness stuff and then it kind of lands in this like more visceral image um at in the end you know awesome thanks for sharing next up we have september So this is such a smooth song. I love your musical approach with the open chords. There's a simple song structure and and chord structure as well. And but it all just works together to create this really perfect moment. I'm always struck by the lyrics for this song. The song seems to be talking about people doubting you and your constant response of trying to prove them wrong or yourself right, one or the other. Um, you also made a really beautiful music video for the track, uh, which was directed by Eric Gatling. I especially loved the shots of you running. So how did the specific idea for the music video come about for you in light of the lyrics and themes? Yeah, I mean, I, I wanted, I always want like music videos to just, you know, fit the like energy of the song. And for that one, I had the like loose idea of just like, let's get out and like this bright kind of vibrant setting and like I'll just like run a lot <laughs> you know like it, we we honestly like didn't put a lot of thought into it we just like like oh like you know the label needs a video for this this one they want it to like be the single like let's get out there and like shoot a music video and like try to make it like feel like the music which I think we did so as Andrew said the song feels like a song about songwriting and following one's dreams to be a musician. If so, I love the double meaning and the line, I'll orchestrate it. Um, my assumption is this has to do with you specifically, maybe I'm wrong, um, and others doubting your music and that it will turn into anything. Um, and my main question kind of has to do with the last line of each verse or section, which is, I'll show them again. And the again part of the line is what like really grabs my attention, like showing you're not, you only, you've already kind of proven yourself, but you're going to sh- prove yourself again. Um, and I was wondering, does that have anything to do with the relationship between Howdy and this new project and how you're kind of out to prove that Howdy wasn't some fluke 
and you can do it all over again or am I reading way too hard into this um I don't know about that last part but it definitely like I think well to be clear I've had like so much support like from my you know family and friends I think where the song where I'm coming from is is more so like that kind of like that self-consciousness like you you I I just you know I I've I can almost like projecting like doubts like um like from others onto yourself like surely like you know like surely like my parents or surely like my stepdad is like has his doubts about like me and my career in music you know and I think that um a lot of creative folks a lot of like young people experience that like you know anyone that's like chasing something that isn't you know financially viable or like just feels like a real dice roll um like I think you you just unless you're just totally like blissed out and not I don't know like not self-critical or like not self-conscious I I think you're probably carrying a lot of that weight um and I think the song is about like you know, like the sh- the show them again part, I think is just like each let like you know, success in music it really is can be such a slow burn, especially for like that's how that it's definitely been that way for me and for Howdy it's just like a real like gentle incline in terms of like making it something that is real and like can be a job for us. So you know, e- each little like level up feels like you know, an achievement, but there's always that next thing. And, you know, actually a real success does still feel so far away. So it's like, you know, I'll show, I'll show them. We'll do it. You know, just pumping myself up. Awesome. Next up, we have the third track, Madison. The song structure for this song is awesome and super unique. It has three different sections in it. None of them repeat except, uh, I guess, the repetition within each section itself. Um, I love how unique that makes the song feel. It kind of feels like you can't get a good feel for the song until you've listened maybe a few times uh, because there's not that repetition. So can you talk about how you wrote the song and what made you choose the song structure for Madison? Yeah, um, so the song started with just that first part and then the chorus, um, and initially, and I, and I had had that, that first verse and that chorus for a pretty long time, and I had always been, like, wrestling with, like, you know, should there just be, like, another verse, and then, like, like, go, say it, like, for it to, like, go back to that A section and then come back to the chorus, um, and I, tr- I think I tried it, and it would have been, like, you know, like, really long and just, like, kind of dragging. Um, and so, yeah, similar to Daisy, honestly, just, like, 
I ended up kind of falling into it was after we recorded the the track um and I was just listening and that whole section we had this like real gentle like outro and I was just like and, and that whole section just came to me um but yeah it's interesting that it, nothing repeats I hadn't really thought about that but but yeah that's how it happened so Charlie, I don't know if you have these moments listening to record. Are you a big record listener? Oh, yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah, I know <laughs> you have a lot of, uh, yeah. Well, not all not all people who make music listen to music. But, That's true. Uh, uh, there's always, on a record that I, for me at least, that I end up loving, there's this moment, usually a song or a part, where I'll be like, like there's this ramp up before that part where I'm loving it everything's going well and then there's this song or this part where I'm like okay shoot this album is going to be different like it's going to be special Um, and obviously you don't know because you haven't finished the record sometimes that might be the last track but for me listening to this record Madison was that song where I love Daisy and love September and I was like oh my gosh is he going to keep just pulling out these bangers and Madison just like floored me and made me realize there's not going to be a single song I don't love on this album and I ended up being right about that Damn. but um Thank you. anyways no yeah no problem so the quiet bridge chorus I don't know yeah we're, you and I were sharing in our inability to label um, I don't know what it's really called because the song is so unique um, this is the first time Mr. Heavy's introduced um I cannot help but make some kind of connection with Heavy Lifter, whether it's there or not. Um, but regardless, um, this word heavy seems to be a word that you've connected with. Um, and what do you feel like about that word or descriptor has kind of um, been something you've gravitated towards? What about it do you think you've connected with? Yeah, I mean, I think that like just... I think a lot about, like, the weight people carry, you know, and, like, especially if you're, like, an empathetic person, um, just, like, how, you know, if you, like, really feel things, you know, like, um, like, I think about, like, my wife, like, she, she's the type of person who, like, just really, you know, can, like, see something terrible that's happening in the world and, like, really feels it and, like, really carries it. You know, and then there are other people that, like, you know, are able to kind of, like, brush it off. Um, so I, like, I, like, really empathize with with those types of people. And, like, I, I like, really admire people that can't, that, like, will open themselves up to, like, experiencing, like, the, you know, the heaviness and, like, the weightiness of, of things. Because um, I think that's really generous and like it means that you're really you're like connecting and like you're like there for others and so yeah there's that element and then there's just like you know specifically about like heavy lifter I loved the like the double meaning of like you, you could picture like a weight lifter like a power lifter or you could picture like uh you know a sad old man you know that's just like sensitive and you know thinks about his granddaughters a lot you know next up we have courage
So Courage is definitely one of my favorite songs on the album. I really love the melody and cadence throughout the song, but my favorite part of the song is the chord structure. Uh, it's just the perfect chord structure for the song. It flows kind of in and out of slightly more unique chord patterns. Uh, for me, can you talk about how you came up with the chord structure for this song and how you know when you found kind of that sweet spot for the chord structure for a song? Yeah, I think um, this, this was like the first song that I wrote kind of when I decided to make this record. Um, I just like it felt like a new, a, a kind of a new, like a step in a different direction that felt different than like the Howdy stuff. Um, in terms of the chord structure, I think what makes it stand apart from other songs is it's like dissonance. Like I usually don't really like dissonance. Like I don't write a lot in like minor keys. Um, I don't know if it's a minor key, but it feels that way to me. Um, and uh, yeah, I. I just kind of like stumbled on this melody that like was it like it's yeah there's like it's kind of tense but then it like finds some relief which I think is like a classic thing to do and you know a, a, a classic thing that like good songwriters do but like I just haven't ever done that before so yeah I don't know it's a song that I I was maybe a little bit uns unsure like I knew it had a place on the record but I wasn't sure if it would be like a standout track but I shared it with some people and they were like this is like my favorite thing you've done so I was like oh crazy so a lot of your songs on this record and in general I think deal with changes and transitions um, and kind of growing older and courage is a good example of this another attribute you talk about in courage other than courage is pride you sing in the verses it takes courage and then the chorus you sing, you saw a glimmer in my eye when I said I blew up all my pride. And I was wondering, is there any correlation for you in between losing pride and gaining courage? I think the two can kind of be mistaken or viewed as synonymous. Like someone who's prideful is like confident. They're like courageous or like willing to go like over the top but sometimes i do think there's this distinction between the two not that someone who's prideful can't be courageous right is that something you were aiming for or am i just kind of making yeah connections here? no yeah i think that's you know pretty spot on i i think i i, I do see like pride as like something that usually does get in the way um but maybe is like a necessary element of like our personalities and like yeah I, I I'd like to try to toe the line of like you know being confident and like being you know f feeling like either like pumping myself up or pumping other people up without it you know without getting too ahead of ourselves and like you know and I do think that like that I love that imagery of like blowing up your pride as like a as like freeing yourself up to you know get better and progress because like so much especially like in bands like with collaborating or in relationship or in relationships like if you do just like you know pride can be such a such a barrier to to connection and to like just becoming a better person or a better musician you know so 
yeah, I like that image a lot. Next up, we have June. So I really love how some of these songs on the record really rely on the piano and June is a great example of that as the piano follows the melody and really just kind of carries the music for the track. So can you talk about writing the piano for this song and how you ended up recording piano for the record? Yeah, so June I wrote, that was another piano song, just existed exactly how you hear that piano and that melody is like, you know, the first thing that I did for the song. Um, and yeah, we recorded it. A lot of these songs, I, I knew that I wanted the record to be piano heavy. And um, my my mother-in-law has this like Steinway Grand from like the 1800s. Um, and it sits in this, you know, big room with like really tall ceilings. And like, it's just like a gorgeous sounding and feeling kind of place to be. And I have been playing that piano and like been in love with that piano for a lot of years, but had never recorded it other than just like demos. Um, but yeah, so me and Evan, we went out there and got to record that piano. And I think that it, you know, comes across a lot in songs like Daisy, June, like really the songs where it feels big, like it's usually that, that piano. A few things. First, this some of the lyrics remind me so much of this. I I made a leap with a tiny leap with the big wheels thing. And I thought mm. I was, I was a hundred percent sure I got the big wheels, right? I was so off. This is a bigger leap. <laughs> this reminds me so much of the, of Charlie Brown and peppermint Patty, especially in the Thanksgiving peanuts episode. Is that like, yeah, that's like, not even in my brain at all. Yep, there you go. Damn. Yep. I feel like I should look... I got my notebook here. I got to look at those lyrics. I'm curious what you're, what you're talking about. Yeah. So, uh, you know what? We're down this road. I'm just going to quickly... Yeah. So, first off, Peppermint Patty's the only one in, like, the Peanuts stuff that calls Charlie Brown Chuck. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And That's so in, funny. And in the Thanksgiving one... So she, she comes over Charlie Brown's house, and you're saying, I'll take my friend, take her home, feed her something, help how I can, and I can stay a little while. But they need to go to the Thanksgiving thing. Oh my I don't God. know why you would write a song about this, but um, don't, call, don't call me Chuck. I barely know you. Hold back a punch. Peppermint Patty's kind of aggressive, and she punches Charlie Brown um, wow. at times. Uh, but then... The ending makes literally no sense, <laughs> um, if if at all Charlie Brown focused. Mm, okay. But uh, yeah, okay. I knew I wasn't gonna be right, but it for, it had too many connections for yeah, me to I not. Mean, but that's a fun connection, you know. 
So on a totally different note, and I can guarantee you didn't write the song about my grandma. So her name is June. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, she passed away a few years ago, right at, shortly after uh, my wedding. And this song, especially, mainly really not the peppermint patty charlie brown part but the uh the last verse or the last section of the song uh kind of like reminds me of her and is really cool and special um and so i think it's just cool how with you using so many names without the record it does provide this um personal nature to it where people either whose name that is or who are connected to people with those names can almost feel an even closer connection to the songs. Not that you don't, not that you need those names, but there's this personal nature, which is so cool. What was the thought process for you having so many names? And are you like aware or are you at all cognizant of that dynamic of people and connecting with uh, the name side of things? Yeah. I mean, I just, I like the idea of, you know, I, I really do like write a lot of songs about like, kind of like inserting myself into this like imaginary situation with a person and I don't really know like why I do that but I I, I think it's mostly because I know that people can connect to those people connect to relationships and like and like I really am like you know very like honestly um like feeling for those those fictional worlds you know like um but yeah I don't know it's 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 weird like usually if I think for June yeah just oh it like, also could be the month that too like yeah I, no I'm glad that you caught that it was a name it totally I, I think of it as a name for sure um but yeah and the Chuck bit that's yeah that's just me like there's only a few people can that call me chuck i never would like uh, that's just kind of a funny a funny ver i like i like that versus a little kind of like an unusual attitude for me to have like like i'm gonna punch somebody um yeah never never is the case but um but yeah just yeah chuck is such a that there are some people I love that call me Chuck, but you know, we gotta be, we gotta be on that level. All right, next up we have the song Swirl. So, Swirl, it's just a really perfect song. Uh, You do such a great job on the record of making it... uh, So every song sounds very cohesive with the album, but no two songs sound the same. Um, I love how the instrumentals really do create a swirl effect in, in the track itself. Was this intentional? And how did you go about kind of getting the right musical sound for this song? Yeah, I mean, I gotta credit 
Evan, we, we recorded this one out in Mississippi. So this was one that was done like in more of like a home environment. And, uh, we just got like a crazy vibe with the acoustic guitars, honestly. Like, um, I could send you just, you know, just the acoustic guitars alone are like kind of spooky and like have this, like, well, we did them real like roomy and there's probably like four layers and I'm sure they're like hard panned and it just like had this like real natural energy to it that had, there's like a little tinge of darkness for sure in this song. Um, I'm trying to remember, I know we played with like some Leslie stuff, but I don't know if it made it into the song. Um, but it might have, it's like that, like spinning speaker that you have with like, it's kind of like an organ type instrument. Um, like a Hammond organ would usually have like a Leslie is like the sound device. Um, and yeah, and there's a pedal that like you use to like trigger how slow or how fast the, the horn, it's like a horn style speaker. And so it creates that like, you know, and it's, it's spooky stuff, but I think we might've used that maybe even on the vocals a little bit, but yeah, it's just, a, it's a real thick song, you know? Yeah. The song slaps. Um, it's so damn heavy and no, no pun intended there, but it's, it's kind of crazy how with, and you not, most of your tracks aren't heavy, but you're able to really create these deep feelings and, and this really like driving forces just on the acoustic a lot of the time, which is very impressive. Um, I think the first line that really sticks out to me on the record so far in terms of the title Imaginary People is the line bigger, better in real life. A lot of it's been kind of tough planning questions because we're like, is this like about him or is this about somebody else or is this like a made up story or is this real um but (laughs) yeah but this line in particular at least it um it definitely references that dynamic of there's real life and there's not real life almost like there's this fantasy aspect of things um i'm not well versed in production um and but i do love the production aspects of the record i think if you listen to the record quickly and aren't paying attention, you think, oh, it's mostly just like acoustic drums, vocals, maybe some stack stuff. But when you really are listening, there's so many different elements that are buried or sub- or like kind of subtle that really help build up the songs and make give them bones and give them um, a lot of depth. And one aspect on Swirl, I think, is the vocal effects um, because you don't really you mainly do harmonies throughout the record there aren't a, it does at least it seems to me like there's not a ton of heavier vocal effects but I, I have no idea but something's going on with swirl when especially when you sing swirl the lot the word itself do you are you able to share what's going on there with uh, the vocals yeah, yeah. For that one, we used some, like, pretty aggressive auto-tune. Um, a lot of time when I'm, like, making a demo, um, I'll play with auto-tune. Um, I think it's, like, really fun. It's a, it's a fun tool, and, like, especially when you're just kind of, like, getting... It's a fun, like, writing tool. Um, but, yeah, for this one, I think it was a case of, like, 
I did the like the scratch vocals and in the scratch vocal takes because I did I, I recorded all the vocals myself in this in this room um, we did all the like arrangements and all the live all the all the music we did um, I did with Evan like at the studio or whatever but um yeah so I just like I think for that one I, I I love to do this thing where you just layer there's a lot of layers and like two or three of them you'll throw some like aggressive kind of distorted like auto tune and uh, and sometimes I like to like really bury it so you don't really you don't really notice it um, but with this one I liked the idea of it feeling like a different like it was for the choruses it was coming from a different place like kind of like bubbling up from the instrumental versus it feeling like the lead vocal you know yeah that's awesome next up we have Scott So this is a short and simplistic track for sure, but it just adds another layer to the album. It sounds as if it was recorded in a bedroom, and it's very minimalistic in that approach. Um, The lyrics do remind me of one of the new Howdy singles, Runner, uh, where you sing, say, take your time, don't give it away, compared with on this track where you sing, never made time. In these lines, the verbs of taking, giving, and making time seem to communicate that there's an intentionality with time and what we choose to do with it. So this is a personal question. You don't have to answer it. Uh, But what is the most difficult part of the reality of time for you? Yeah, damn, that's a heavy one. Um, (laughs) I Honestly, yeah, that song is is about a friend of mine. who I won't name, but Scott, and, yeah, Scott. We'll call him Scott, and and I don't think Scott knows that this song is about him. But yeah, it's I don't know. I think everyone can like relate to like you know a friendship that you didn't like nourish enough, or you know like, and it could be you know personal. It could be family. It could be you know. like a creative relationship um and yeah like just I think we all we everyone gets can relate with like feeling busy and like not making time but you know we also always know like how much time we really do have you know it's like I feel like half the time when we say like oh yeah yesterday I was so busy but like low-key you had like four hours where you just weren't doing anything you know and I don't think we you know we should be too hard on ourselves but but sometimes you just gotta like own up to the fact that like you you could have been there more and like and you regret it you know and that's just how it goes you know what I just was thinking through with like the names being uh like obviously not real names do you when you wrote a song like this did you ever think like okay now, do I have any friends that are actually named Scott who might 
take offense to this and think that it's about <laughs> like are you like thinking through all all the potential people you know as you're making these names yeah for sure um yeah like usually it's 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 most of the names are like like i've never even met someone named that that before and like obviously like i've met scott's but like some of the like the more like deborah like she's like so fictional um and uh but yeah i do think about it and the one name that is um actually not fiction is is madison um but the song's not really about him it's i just reference him in that last part um but yeah he was my childhood best friend um that that's the only one that's like you know not made up so shout out madison (laughs) so the first time listening to this song i'm waiting for the drums to go come in i chill for a little bit don't feel like they're coming in i'm waiting for the drums to come in (laughs) i'm chilling a little bit waiting for the drums to come in the song's over and i'm like why didn't the drums come in perfect (laughs) sense like it's such a heavy intense oh not intense but it's like a heavier up seemingly upbeat song but the more i listen to it for the more i realize how like pop punk this song is like it's not at all like the rest of those songs and i feel like if you did build it up it would have been a bit too abnormal maybe for the rest of the tracks to fit in as well um was that a part of the simplicity of keeping the track kind of bare bones or if not what was your thought process with that yeah i mean i I rarely like write a song using that like kind of finger picking style of guitar um and i think just like by virtue of it starting out that way it felt it felt like it wanted to just be like an acoustic song um and then i always just yeah i love like that push and pull of like the the vocal melody is like like pretty like hard like yeah like in term like it almost reminds me of like juice world or something like um that kind of like that like emo rap like pop punk um style um and i thought it was fun to i love to like exist like in the weird like in between of like you know a real folk like arrangement like you know we recorded those those guitars we made like we did it super super late at night so it was like dead silent but you could hear like the like cicadas in mississippi just like buzzing and it was like that that sensation of like it's so quiet that it's like really loud you know what i mean um yeah so that's kind of what we were going for next up we have track deborah
So this is another one of my favorite tracks on the album. The addition of background orchestration is perfect, and I love the almost abrupt ending to the song. I did want to take the song to just talk about the drums on the album. Nate was kind of mentioning drums for the last song, but this whole album, the drums have been very prevalent in creating kind of the sound for the album as well. So can you talk about the process of writing drums for this track specifically, as well as what part of the writing process you usually start thinking of drum grooves and rhythms? Yeah, usually it's like the last so it's like kind of the first thing that we record or it might be like the first or second thing that we record um but it's usually the thing that i am like least prepared for um like typically like going because i just don't like i don't even have a drum set like at my house like me and me and will like have a storage unit where we keep some gear and like that's where the drums live i don't have space yet um so yeah, it's funny because like I, I I think because I am probably most comfortable at like with drums, um, I kind of end up saving it to just be like I'll I'll figure it out when I go in, you know, um, which is fun. Like it's 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 always like a really fun, satisfying um, process, and like I usually just try to like keep keep it simple and like keep it like like a nice like heavy pocket and I always like have in mind like bass which I don't I don't play bass Ben Little John shout out Ben he's like the you know he's he's the honorary third member of Howdy and the honorary second member of, of my band he's just like he's always killing it for us um but yeah so just like I, I kind of like know that you know, I don't have to do too much as a drummer. I just want it to like sound like thick and like intentional. Um, and then, yeah, just try to like fold into the song versus it, you know, be too much of like a standout thing. I just, this, this is probably like. I'm sorry. I'm like tired, and this is probably like the, a dumb thing to say. If you added a third member to Howdy, like Ben, would you have to add a third V? <laughs> and <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's why we can't do it. That's why you can't do movies. it. Yeah. It would be Howdy. Yeah. Um. So the lyrics and melodies on this track are some of my favorite on the record. I think you're able to capture lyrically something really nostalgic, but also something really nuanced. Like those emotions are complicated um, and you're able to capture it in such a simple and honest way. How was the process of writing these lyrics for you? Was it something that you kind of just threw up on the page and it was like good to go? Or was this something you had to work through to make it all work together so well? Yeah, I think honestly, this is probably the oldest of... Like, in this sort of batch of songs that are, like, about characters that are fictional, like, I think Deborah was, like, probably the first one that I, I made. I don't even know when it came on, but when it, when it, when I wrote it, probably, like, 20, maybe even, like, 2016, 2017, probably 2017, um, and, yeah, it was, it was, like, I don't know, it was really fun, and I, like, it felt good to, like, write this character about this person that I'm, 
that I just like really admire. Like Deborah, like she's like you're so cool. Like you're so like I don't know. And I just totally, totally fictional. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then just like bringing in like you know like an experience or like a moment that feels like you know tender like even like for this person you know you have that friend that like you really look up to but like they they have their own struggles and like I don't know yeah and there's almost feeling of like not wanting to be a burden to them even though you look up to them so much yeah for sure alright next up we have Rusty So this song just has a way of making me smile. It's really such a happy sounding song and I really love the musical direction in this song. The vocals are also incredible for this track. Uh, For simple sounding music you always kind of have a way of making sure there's a lot going on and there's a lot of really cool vocal parts on this track like your harmonies as well as what you do on the tell me that you can't say over it. line uh do you mind sharing how the vocals for rusty came into being yeah i think like this was another one where i just wrote that piano um it started out just as a piano piece and then i like transposed it to guitar and it felt natural to like make it more into like a country song um but yeah it was i think it's the only song where i've ever had kind of like almost like a vocal round like a call and response type thing in the chorus and I kind of I have sort of like a love-hate relationship with it because I I can't like play that song by myself (laughs) yeah you know so like I I don't know maybe one day when I do it live I'll have someone else singing or I can like get the get the crowd to sing along or something but um but yeah and then I also have to shout out Ben he played he played bass on this one to, he played bass on the whole record, but his like his bass line on this one is is so great. He just like creates so much movement. I honestly meant to shout out him for September because you mentioned that that song is just two chords the whole time, but like his his bass line just like gives so much move. He he really does like bring so much movement to like a chord progression and I can I can give him like a song that's just two parts and he'll create like six parts you know and there it's always like really tasteful and subtle but yeah if you listen closely like in the in the verses he I don't know the notes but he basically plays two different progressions in the verses when I'm just playing one so he just pulls he, he just like pulls the the like the harmonics or whatever like just in a totally different place and it's really really cool so 
we've we've mentioned it the piano plays a huge role in the record um and in the song which i love i think in the indie scene not that there's so many different indie scenes but in the over on the indie world i would say synths are kind of taking over um which is great because synths are awesome but i also i love the refreshing uh piano takes you have um the song overall feels like it's dealing with two friends one's moving away from rusty but rusty feels dependent upon this person as the other person's trying to help rusty be independent and Rusty's sad they're not doing everything they can to stay and the line andrew mentioned tell me that you can stay over it is repeated just about as much if not more than any other line on the record what Maybe it was just musical, a musical decision. Um, but what made you want to emphasize this line or repeat this line in particular? Yeah, it's kind of uh, about like a character that's really struggling with like maybe something a little more serious, like less everyday, but like something like addiction or something like you know that is much harder to like get on top of. And that, yeah, that sort of feeling of like, yeah, I'm doing better now. Today's a good day. Just like, but like you can, you can stay, you know, it's like almost like a person that's dealing with something, starting to like take the steps in the right direction, but like still feels pulled back into like a darker place. So just, you know, being there for them and yeah. All right. Next up we have Sadie. So I love the guitar sound for this song. I really feel like the song is carried by the guitars. Yeah. Uh, the piano lead part in the song is another amazing part uh, of this album as well. The vocals on the chorus stand out as well because they're unique for this record as you kind of go up into that range. What led you into singing the chorus that way? Yeah, I just, I, I think I always, I wrote this one on piano. Honestly, this was, I, I think I wrote this one after a tour we did with Soccer Mommy, and I was like, <laughs> I think I was vibing with that, like, with her, her style. She's, she's so good. And, uh, I don't know. I, I, to me, like, this one felt like sort of a, almost like a nod to, like, some Soccer Mommy stuff. But, um, yeah, I think it really was just like I decided on the key, and I always knew I wanted to, like, you know, when you're, working on like a chord progression and you have like a vocal melody either it's gonna it's kind of when it's in that like mid kind of in that like mid-range zone you can either go like high and it's like maybe too high or you can go like low and it's maybe too low you can bring every you can like shift up the song sometimes it's hard with a song that has a lot of range which i think this one just like has like a bigger range vocally so i felt like going going up felt felt better you know that classic like lift of the chorus 
So this song at first glance seems somewhat simple, but there's a ton going on when you listen closely, especially on the production side of things. What are some of your favorite production elements from this track? I'm trying to remember. I I think like initially this song was going to be like kind of like a slow core, like heavy song, Um, almost like 9am is, but I... I didn't feel like the record needed that. It's also just like pretty long and like it's it's one of my like longer songs. So if I made it really slow, it was going to be like felt like it would be too long. So I just played around. I was in the studio and I just like played this like groove like this, like more of like a. Yeah, just like a pop groove over it and it felt really fresh and it it was a little gave it a little more pace. Um, So, yeah, I like the drums a lot. That was kind of like the most the one element of the song that felt like a real like curveball for for the arrangement um but yeah otherwise yeah i think there's like some bouncy keyboard stuff in the in the choruses that i really like yeah awesome next up uh we have something that andrew's never been called uh we have winner shots (laughs) i'm just kidding you're a winner andrew As far as winner goes, damn, it's such a great track. I think the melody and chord structure over you singing You Are a Winner gets stuck in my head all the time. Uh, the chord structure, once again, is so unique. The third chord in that pattern really kind of sounds really cool and really unique. So for all of my music nerds out there, do you remember what that chord is and what specifically the chord structure is um, and uh, and what kind of made you decide to go with that chord for the song? Man, I wish I could. I wish I knew. And honestly, I, I have my, I don't know where my guitar is, but even if I had, I would have to have a piano set up and I don't right now. But um, that was another one where I, I just wrote it on piano. Uh and it, and it was just like a simple I, I usually play in like fifths um, I usually like typically like in my left hand I'll be playing like just the fifth of the chords and I usually like kind of bounce like between my like pinky and my thumb to kind of create that like walking bass line and then I usually just like write the melody with my right hand and then that's sort of like the core of the song and that's definitely how it was for winter and uh and then i add the guitars which i think because of the tuning that i use the open tuning which is also like there's a lot of fifths in that tuning i think that's where you get i think that's probably how i achieve like a more like kind of my unique or like howdy's like unique kind of like resonance with like the notes ringing out I think it's just it's all about just the those open strings ringing out 
and kind of merging like with the pianos and the keys like that style was just like a lot of uh, like resonance that that I you know I think sounds good <laughs> but I that third chord I, I wish I knew but I I don't that's fine I can do the work and figure it out yeah but I just feel thought, free to thought I'd let you tell me <laughs> yeah they can they can DM me I I try to respond to those types of questions so funny story I'm a high school teacher um, and I coach baseball uh, which was the first sport at our school this year that's kind of went back to somewhat normal we actually had games and stuff which was cool um and we had we had to drive separately to games because we weren't all allowed to go on a bus so uh, the day i found out about your record i started listening to it on the way to the game listened to it on the way back and i finished it up um playing in the bathroom while i was showering and just for some context on our season we had four games a shortened season and we got mercy ruled in every game now for those who don't (laughs) for those who don't know what a mercy rule is a mercy rule is basically where the umps who are kind of in charge of the game they stop the game because it's going so bad for one team they're getting beat by so much they're showing mercy on that team by saying it's just better if we quit. It's just better if we stop. So all four games we got mercy rule, and so I'm listening to the record. Did you get fired as the coach, Nate? Um, <laughs> let's just no. say for some reason I couldn't find any of my checks um, in the mail. <laughs> they, they just didn't show up. Well, we used but, to call uh, it run ruling, which like when you would like because I was usually on the other side where we would be run ruling teams. Yeah, because I I I wasn't that I was pretty good, but I played on a really good team. Um, but yeah, mercy is like that's that's even harsher. The mercy yeah, it's like it sounds it's like tr- Game of Thrones type shit. Exactly, like it it is like accurate, like it is an act mm-hmm. of mercy. But by calling it mercy, it's almost less merciful. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it's like it's a little degrading. Really degrading. Yeah, so, I'm sorry, <laughs> so but at anyways, least ba- baseball's fun. Oh, definitely. No, we had a we had a wicked fun season. And baseball is the type of game too where like of course it's about baseball, but baseball creates this just such a cool environment that if you're in that environment, being able to hang around, goof off, like make jokes, cheer on your team, like you're able to have a great atmosphere even if you suck. But anyways, so this is after one of the Mercy Rule games. I'm listening to the end of the album and so this song comes on in the shower and i just imagined like what if i was like just in the shower going you are a winner <laughs> after being mercy ruled for the fourth straight time or whatever i just thought it was uh, kind of poetic but is there any connection for you between winter and september in terms of needing to prove others your own capabilities, which I feel like is September, versus trying to prove to others of their capabilities, which I feel like is winter. Yeah, I mean, I I think both are, like, strong currents and, like, you know, what's important to me. Um, not so much, like, proving myself, but just, like, like proving to myself you know, like, I don't really have, like, a chip on my shoulder, like, but I do, 
you know, want, I do want to like achieve my goals or I do want to like be a good person. And like a lot of that is just, you know, rallying yourself to, to get there. Um, I do, I find it a little easier to like, to sing about, to write about and think about like wanting to live other people up. And, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I think people just need that. Like just everybody does. Like I do, um, my friends do, my family does. Like I just, that to me, like is like the whole purpose of writing, like making music is just the thought that it can make somebody feel better is like enough to encourage me to keep doing it as long as I can. Like that's, that's really what it's all about. And sometimes it, is more subtle and sometimes it's like a song where the chorus is you are a winner you know <laughs> all right next up we have trick So this song really starts to wind the album down to its inevitable conclusion. I love the vocal cadence for the song. It's super smooth and natural, and I love it. Uh, There's a really beautiful ending instrumental that I also love. And as you can tell, I love a lot about the song and the entire record. Another thing I love is the song structure. It's just two verses as the song starts and ends with the word trickery. The second time trickery comes in, it enters the instrumental chorus from earlier. So how the hell did you come up with the song structure, you mastermind? <laughs> Damn. Thanks a lot. I Again, it's it's really just like, trying to be really simple this was one where i i think i I've, i landed on slightly like a more like resonant or not resonant like dissonant kind of minor like kind of spooky feeling um which is never my like first instinct so just kind of like but it felt good i i think this was one where i just like picked up the guitar and like started writing as i was like singing along with this progression um and yeah, it kind of just has like this darkness about it that I knew would like serve a role on like a record. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think about the, the progression. I feel like the, the like beginning with trickery and ending with trickery was definitely a happy accident. Like it just is like what just, that's just how it happened. Um, and I liked that sort of like book ending um, and then the instrumental, I think I ended up adding, there's like some flute, there's a, a handful of things that I, I chipped away. I think that last instrumental was probably something I was working on up to like the very last minute. Um, it probably, I think I just let it sit like without much lead instrumentation for a while. And then like literally like the final week of mixing, I was just like, did like an overdub of that, like kind of flute there's like some bouncy kind of like tape flute stuff that I, that I, that I added, I think. So the first verse is interesting how you kind of transition between 
align within your the way uh, you say it within the song. So you, you kind of cut halfway or partial way through a line and finish it later. Um, and I feel like you haven't done that often, at least on this record. What was the thought process behind that approach for you? Was it simply like you kind of didn't have enough time to say the words you wanted to say, or was it um, intentional? Yeah, I think... Let me see if I can pull this one up in my notebook. Because I... Usually it's just a matter of... I, I, I like I like how a, a one line can maybe be taken one way, but then the final... But really it's it's a continual sentence. I think that's what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, Where exactly. it's like trickery... Like the, the I sing it like trickery, I'll promise... I'll show you my best impression of a person who succeeds. So it's like, it kind of creates like these weird sort of transi- transitional meanings within it. Um, but yeah, really, it, it, it's just having fun. Like, I don't really know. I, I, I'm always trying to fit it into like a certain rhythm and a certain melody that feels most natural. Um, and then, yeah, just like filling words in with and a lot a lot of the time it's just stream of consciousness like um i I never like write just lyrics you know awesome last up we have the closing track 9 a.m Every time the song starts, it kind of gets me because it jumps in so fast that it almost feels like my music has skipped ahead somehow (laughs) and that I missed something. Uh, I really love it, though. As the shortest track on the album, it's such an interesting choice for a closing track uh to me at least maybe because i've become accustomed to the really long drawn out closing track um that that happens pretty often uh but in its own right it's a really great closer the song's slow tempo and almost dreamy sound is great to bring the album to its close one of my favorite parts of the whole record is the mini instrumental in kind of the middle of the song. What's the instrument that's leading kind of that instrumental there and what led you to choose it for this track? Yeah, so that is like a like a Mellotron flute sound. Um, I think I, w- I usually use, I have like two keyboards. One is a Microkorg XL Plus um, and I... Am specific there because that particular microcorg has this. It's called like a. It has like a bank of sounds. Um, they're like seventies vintage is like the name of like the bank, and it has this really amazing tape flute and tape string sounds that um, they just mimic like Mellotron stuff. But the particular one on this microcorg is probably like my most used. Um, keyboard sound in like all of, all of my recordings forever like, like live too um, and I think that one though is I also have a Nord 
which I usually just use for like electric piano and stuff like that. But um, I have all these like Mellotron samples on, on that keyboard as well. And I think that was one of those. Um, but yeah, that's just like some distorted like tape flute lead stuff. I, I love that sound. So listeners won't know this, but just some background on the episode. Um, when we reached out to Charlie for the interview and asked if he was willing to do the interview at 8.30 in the morning, he passive-aggressively just sent us a song. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, obviously that's a joke. Um, so this song is uh, secretly wicked heavy instrumentally. Um, it hits so hard. The song's extremely dynamic despite its brevity. And actually, the brevity might help enhance its um, dynamic nature. What was the process for the length on uh, this track? Were there thoughts of expanding it musically or adding more lyrics? Or was it always, were you always dead set on having this being a shorter, tighter track? Yeah, this one has, this is another one of like the pretty, pretty old ones. Um, and I've had a demo around for, for a little while. Um, I think I like like short bursts of energy like when I'm gonna like be really heavy I I like the idea of it being really short um whereas like if it were gonna be longer I probably would have not gone like so hard on the arrangement um like I think a good example of that going back to like early howdy stuff was this song colorful which is on uh cranberry there's also there's another version of that song that's called color that is on like a split we did i think it's on Bandcamp. um it's like a three song thing and so there's the the version the first version was color and it was like really heavy and really short whereas the cran the version on cranberry is like twice as long but it's much much softer um and I think with 9 a.m., it just felt good to be, like, this heavy, like, short burst of energy, um, kind of like a final, you know, soft explosion before the record fizzles out. Awesome. Uh, as we close, Charlie, we like to share our favorite track. Now, we understand, I, I mean, I'm assuming uh, you care deeply about each and every one of these songs. Um, and so it might be a tough thing to do. You don't have to if you don't want to. Um, I usually make a favorite kid joke here, but I don't really feel like doing it now. Uh, so, uh, Andrew, uh, to give t- Charlie time to think of whether he would like to answer or not, and then once he decides that, if it's a yes, figure out what song it is, what's your favorite track? So I'm going to mention two tracks, but there is one that I'll pick as my favorite because I'm forced to for this exercise. Um Literally from the moment that I started this album, like Daisy got me right away and I've always just been very partial to that track. I think it is such a great track. Um, but I think that almost like introduced me to the feel and the vibe of this album. I I think my favorite though is actually Winner. I just really like the instrumental for it. Again, whatever that chord is, I don't know. Um <laughs> I just like there's so much in it and I feel like I can only appreciate Winner. The reason I mentioned Daisy, I can only appreciate Winner because of kind of the intro that Daisy gave that Winner stands out kind of um, on the record for me. So I'm picking Winner as my favorite 
But it's it's a hard choice. It's a it's a great album. So Nate, what is your favorite? Yeah, I'm gonna go with Madison. Uh, It's a really hard decision as well, trying to pick a favorite. Um, I really love every song. I think the reason why Madison is from what I shared earlier about this was my like oh shit moment where I was like oh shit like this is going to be a special album, and so I have just like a very distinct memory listening to it and. Also, it's very um, descriptive in terms of like kind of that childhood um, memory or that that childhood friendship. Um, And I think that nostalgia just gets me every time, too. So uh, I'm going to go to Madison. Thanks, y'all. Cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll shoot. I don't. It's tough. I think maybe maybe June is my favorite um like I think about like what songs I'm most excited to like play with a band, you know? And I wanted this record to feel like really like earnest and like organic sonically. Um and just feel like a band just a band like in a big room playing together, you know? And I think we achieved that with this one. And um yeah, I think that's that'll be my fave. Awesome. Thanks for sharing, Charlie. Of course. Um, Charlie, thanks so much for coming on and talking with us. You've been very generous in your time and all your information. Uh, For those who are listening to Charlie's music, please buy merch, go see shows when he goes out and plays live with Howdy and also when he does the solo stuff. Um, Go above and beyond extra t-shirts for the whole fam. Um, <laughs> I gotta make t-shirts. Unfortunately, the only way you can support just me is just to buy the record on Bandcamp for seven dollars, <laughs> which is a deal. That's a steal. It's a, it's yeah. a, it's a, a steal. Thirteen deal. songs. Yeah, that's like fifty cents a song, guys. Yeah, yeah. I was I'll really hoping it. you would stream like it four thousand times a day. <laughs> <laughs> that will equate to I'll make, I'll make 10 bucks. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, actually, to ask about that, are there any potential future plans to maybe throw it on vinyl? Even if there's nothing in the groundwork, is that a hope you have? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, not to get too much into the nitty-gritty of the uh, the planning the the with Howdy and with my stuff, but I think maybe next year um i'm gonna be looking to do like a a physical pressing and maybe a tour for the solo record awesome yeah well well, andrew and i will pre-order no thousand percent all right for sure so you got you're guaranteed to sell two copies tell tell the people who are putting up that money say hey i got two (laughs) pre-orders two two pre-orders i'm gonna email (laughs) the label right now (laughs) awesome well thanks again charlie and we hope you have a uh great rest of your day and thanks again so much for this record of course yeah thank you all and i appreciate you guys having me this was really fun All right, that was our Charlie Martin interview. It was a pleasure having him. He was so gracious uh, with all of his answers and his time. So just reach out to him and thank him for his time and let him know that you enjoyed the podcast and what he was able to bring 
to the podcast. Uh, if you would like to hear our other podcasts, make sure that you're subscribed to the pod. Uh, that's really helpful for us uh, to continue doing cool interviews like Charlie Martin. Uh, you can also find us on social media. You can find us at Twitter and Instagram. You can find us at LDL Pod, and you can also email us at listening at gmail.com. And yeah, just just reach out talk to us we love being in contact with people about indie music music in general uh so follow us there reach out Uh, we'd love to talk thanks so much for listening and have a great day Did you know that bitch Barney's just a man in a suit?